0: Welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of October 23rd, 2019. I am Sean Higgins, and I am so happy to say that I'm once again joined by Ski Racing Media staff writer extraordinaire, Mackenzie Moran. Hello, Mackenzie.
1: What up? I'm back.
0: All right, so on this week's show, we will be diving headfirst back into the World Cup season. And Matt and I are going to take a look at the upcoming season, the things we're looking to see out of the first races, and the storylines we will be following all winter long. Also, a little later in the show will be my interview with U.S. Ski and Snowboard Director of Sport Education, Gareth Trainer, where we talk all things coach education and some exciting new developments in that realm over at the National Governing Body. All right, Max. So the World Cup season kicks off this weekend with the opening men's and women's giant slalom races of the year and sold in Sölden, Austria with the women racing on Saturday to the 26th and the men on Sunday the 27th. We haven't seen World Cup racing in seven months since last season wrapped up at World Cup finals in Sodeo Andorra. And on the women's side, obviously there's a lot of attention being paid to Michaela Schifrin and whether she can continue on the record-setting pace she's been on over the past year or so. What are some of the things you'll be looking for out of the Saturday's women's race?
1: Well, obviously I think we're all looking forward to seeing if Michaela is going to continue her performance coming into this season. She definitely performs well under pressure and has shown that she can do that in the past. Given her last season, she just repeatedly executed throughout the entire year, broke multiple records and continued setting herself up for continuing to break records honestly later on in her career and I had the chance to sit down and listen in on a media call with her earlier on Monday and she was telling us that conditions in Solden are looking good there's a lot more snow than she's seen in past seasons they just got ready to inject the surface and she's really excited to get out there
0: absolutely we all know that the race for the women's gs title has been one of the most exciting to watch over the past few years we've had multiple different winners from multiple different countries and it seems like really there's no clear favorite every time a a women's gs is on the calendar michaela did walk away with the gs title last year we know that was a a huge goal of hers a lifetime goal of hers that she finally achieved Um, and looking ahead to Sölden, given she is the reigning giant slalom title holder she has only won once in Solden and was, was third last year behind Tessa Worley and Federica Brighioni. Um, You said she's been dealing with a little bit of a back issue. Did she say anything in particular about, about how her preparations for Solden were going?
1: She just mentioned on this call that um, she hasn't had a specific back injury more so she was under such a high level program last season that she was receiving a lot of strain on her body and just stress that was triggering some back issues that she's she and her team are trying to pay attention to this season and that she's definitely been paying attention to prior to going into this race. She did mention that she didn't get as much training time in Giant Solemn over the summer as she would like. So I'm looking forward to see if she'll be able to step on the gas fully given the level of competition in this field and some up and coming pressure from behind, from like we were saying, the likes of Worley, um, Petra Velhova, and Alice Robinson, a newer name who showed that she can also step up onto the podium at finals last year. So I think that it's really anybody's game this weekend. I expect Michaela to perform because she normally does. But like I said, We'll see how it goes.
0: And I think you're, you're absolutely right saying that kind of uh, the pressure is on Michaela right now. She definitely has that target on her back, but being that women's GS has been so competitive over the last few seasons, nothing is given. And I think we saw that in Alice Robinson coming. I don't want to say out of nowhere because she had been building, building throughout the year with a world junior gold medal. Um, won the second run at world championship giant slalom in Ore, and then capped it off with her podium at world cup finals. And certainly one of the storylines for me will be Alice to see if she can back that up and perform on a regular basis on the world cup. I know when you're young, it's hard to be consistent. and, And at times that consistency is the only thing holding you back. And, uh, an athlete like Michaela has really been one of the only ones in recent years to kind of buck that trend and find that consistency early on in her career, um, Alice is still a teenager. There's a lot she has to learn about being on the World Cup and, frankly, dealing with the media. She wasn't really in the spotlight last season until World Cup finals, and I remember being there and seeing how well she did deal with all of that attention, so she's definitely a racer I'll be following as well.
1: I'm excited to see how she does as well, given this kind of newfound pressure on her, and she's only 17 years old, but um, I do have to say I got to spend a little bit of time with her in the spring out in Mammoth, and I thought that she handled the attention and the media attention pretty well. She seemed to keep her cool and was really able to focus on her training and keep herself together, um, with, you know, having multiple outlets there that were trying to cover her storyline. And she performed well in the New Zealand games over the summer. She just signed a sponsorship deal with Red Bull, um, So I think that there's a lot of other entities that also have confidence in her ability to continue to perform. And maybe it won't be as consistent as we've seen from the likes of a Michaela Schifrin, but her capacity to push these other women that are already sitting at the top of the field will provide some more excitement because it'll keep everybody motivated to step on the gas and really come out of the starting gate full speed this weekend
0: mm-hmm. and looking past Solden a little bit in this race for the uh women's giant slalom title uh after Solden, the the tour heads to north america for the i would say now classic stop at, at killington for the the world cup races there and then we hop over to europe corchevel liens austria where the women haven't raced in uh, in a couple of years and over to sestria italy marabor slovenia after Schwang germany ore sweden and then finally finals in Cortina. Were there any stops on the women's tour that kind of jump out to you a, a, as places where we could see something crazy?
1: I don't think I have a particular stop on the women's giant slalom tour that I'm expecting really anything crazy to happen because like we said there are so many women that are competing at the top of this field that it could really go any which way on any given day and yeah Michaela won the giant slalom overall title last season But she really pulled out, had to pull out some of those races like last minute last year and was receiving a lot of pressure from her competitors. And I just think that we can never really put money on what to expect at any one single event because anything can happen. I mean, this is ski racing. We have no idea what the conditions are going to be like. We don't know what injuries are going to happen early in the season, if any, or who's going to be stepping up their game after a summer of training who may not be performing as well as they did last year. It's really, I think the indicator will be how everybody comes out sold in this weekend. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think a a big wild card on the the women's GS tour in particular would be someone like Italy, Sophia go, We know, Last year, she was hampered by an ankle injury earlier in the season, missed almost half the World Cup season because of it. And her style is really kind of an all or nothing. And I feel that she, she does definitely has the speed to be on the podium and uh, occasionally challenge for a win, I would say. But uh, I think she's definitely someone who could come in and spoil the party at one of these venues, given right set, right conditions, given her style and her background as a speed skier.
1: In terms of U.S. starters this weekend, in addition to Michaela, Nina O'Brien and A.J. Hurt will be starting in Solden. We've seen them compete a couple of times on the World Cup tour last year. Nina O'Brien scored her first World Cup points in Killington um, early on in the season. And A.J. is yet to squeak into that World Cup point range, but she has been showing a lot of promising results on the junior side of things. New faces we'll be seeing from the U.S. side is Keely Cashman, who will be starting her second World Cup race, and Storm Klomhouse, who is a University of Denver skier, and she is going to be receiving her first World Cup start after coming back from a series of pretty big injuries and operations that have set her back in the past. But her performance at the New Zealand Games over the summer really demonstrated that she has what it takes to compete at this level and so I'm looking forward to see what some of these younger girls can do at this venue that is notoriously quite a challenge.
0: Yeah and I know you were actually able to speak with Storm and got some of her thoughts on her first World Cup start. Can you share a little bit of that with us? What is Storm thinking about before her World Cup debut?
1: Well she's definitely super stoked. I mean she's had a pretty crazy history coming in and out of ski racing due to so many surgeries. She told me she has had six operations within the past couple of years, which is wild. Um, three on her left knee, one that was actually on both her left and right knee at the same time. And most recently she actually had an operation. uh, She had a herniated belly button, which is kind of crazy. Don't know how that came about, but Yeah, she's really looking forward to getting out there and having her first start and is feeling really lucky that they actually got to take training runs this season. I know last year, a lot of the girls didn't actually get to get on course or on the pitch prior to the race, which was pretty intimidating, given the fact that it's sold in. And it's kind of a course where you got to give it everything you have and commit to the pitch. So she is really looking forward to it and. I can tell based on her energy in the call that she's just ready to take advantage of this opportunity.
0: Well, we'll definitely be looking for, for storm on Saturday for sure. And, and you bring up an interesting point about the uniqueness of the Hill and sold in itself. It's one of, if not the most challenging GS on the, on the women's tour, especially, and, and certainly is one of the most challenging on the men. It happens so early in the year that pitch at the bottom is so sustained and and so steep and you rarely actually see that on in either gender in gs on the world cup so uh it's a, it's a it's a quirky race it happens so early in the year we have a almost a month break before the next world cup race happens in levy and then a bit of a break again before the world cup really gets back to weekend after weekend action so uh just another thing to look out for this weekend in solden All right, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the overall title for the women. Michaela Schifrin has won the last three overalls in a row. Four in a row would be quite the feat. Mackenzie, do you see anyone being able to mount much of a serious challenge to Michaela in her quest for a four-peat this winter?
1: Honestly, if Michaela stays healthy, no. I mean, she is one of the only racers on the circuit that is taking on such a high-level program and competing in as many disciplines as she is. And this season, given the fact that there's no world championship block, there's no Olympic block. She has a little bit more time to take on some world cup races in February that she may not have taken onto her program before. She did mention that she wants to compete in a little bit more speed events this season. I'd be interested to see if she does some more downhill um, or continues to focus on super G given her success in that event last season, but how well-rounded she is and how and her capacity to perform in all of those events and always be competing for a top spot on the podium makes me think that she's going to be a hard person to come up against for the overall maybe individual titles more likely but I have a hard time seeing really anybody coming out of the woodwork to be able to take that fourth globe away from her
0: yeah I 100% agree with you I think it says something that she's far and away the only skier in the world that can legitimately win in all six events and has won in all six events. Um, and, and like you said, we may see, I mean, she'll have to fight for sure for another GS title and super G was, I don't want to say a surprise, but definitely icing on the cake for her last year. I I will say she's still top dog in slalom. I'll be very surprised. She doesn't walk away with another slalom title, but overall, unless something crazy happens with injuries or another setback that we can't really foresee right now. I have a hard time thinking anyone's going to pose a serious challenge to Michaela in the overall race for the overall this year.
1: So looking at the men's this weekend, they haven't skied this course actually in two years, Sean, what are you looking forward to most out of the weekend?
0: yeah so my two main storylines this weekend one like you mentioned is is the weather there's been no race in Solden since 2016 due to bad weather unfortunately my fingers are crossed the initial forecasts look promising but i've uh, definitely not learned to not get my hopes up too high when we're talking about weather on the world cup Um, and two will be who will step up in the race for the gs globe with the absence of marcel hirscher um, and talking about this weekend in particular, I think most of the attention will be on Alexi Pantero and Henrik Kristoffersen. I think that's rightly so, just because they've been the two racers who've really consistently been able to challenge Hersher in the GS standings over the last couple of years. And Pantereau actually almost took the GS title a couple of years ago if it weren't for some self-inflicted wounds with some DNFs down the stretch towards the end of the season. Uh, Penero actually hasn't finished worse than third in the GS standings since 2013, so that certainly bodes well for him. Um, Throughout the course of the season and on top of that. He's also the last winner in sold and he took the race back in 2016 and Has not finished worse than fifth there in his entire career and has been on the podium three other times Um, for Christofferson as good as we all know he is, and as hot as he got in GS towards the end of last season, he's never really gotten along with Solden. He didn't qualify for a second run his first two years racing there, and it hasn't finished worse than, or hasn't finished better than sixth in Solden's in his entire career. So I think of those two, I would give the advantage to Penrose this weekend. But I think the race for the GS Globe will be much, much tighter this year, just given the length of the season, the amount of stops, and how good Christopherson was last year in GS and I think we'll be seeing that rivalry play out throughout the entire season not just in GS but slalom and certainly the overall title as well uh, I think we'll be diving a little bit deeper into that and some of the more nuances of a, of a men's overall title in the next few weeks but uh shaping up to be a really really exciting season on the men's side
1: yeah I know the men's tour is really going to be missing Marcel Hirscher this season but do you think that the Austrians will be able to step up and fill in those boots
0: That's a great question. Um, So looking at results, I mean, Marcel Hirscher, just speaking to his dominance over the last eight, nine years of his career, the last Austrian not named Marcel Hirscher to win a World Cup GS on the men's side was way back in 2011 when Philipp Schokhofer won in Hinterstoder. He has since retired. So there's definitely... A gap. I mean, Austrian men have gotten on the podium. I know Manuel Feller finished runner-up in a race last year, but they have been hampered by injuries. Um, there have been World Championship medals, World Cup podiums, but they're relatively young. There's been some injuries at the top end of that roster, so I wouldn't be surprised if an Austrian hits the podium this weekend. But I think they'd be hard-pressed to find a win, in my opinion. They could prove me totally wrong. It's World Cup racing in Austria the Austrians always know how to perform in front of a home crowd.
1: Is there anyone else in the rest of the field that we should be keeping our eye on?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think looking at the, at the bigger field in general, Swiss men have always been incredibly impressive. Somebody like Marco Odermatt could definitely step on the podium. If not win, he was only getting faster towards the end of the year last year. A little bit like someone like Alice Robinson, tremendous success at the junior level, and is starting to find his footing on the World Cup right now. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if he can take that next step. He's got the physical size, he's tall, he's strong and, uh, has got the right mindset to, uh, really do something special and spoil the party for, uh, the two guys who've been waiting in the wings over the last couple of years.
1: So in terms of us men that we've got starting this weekend, we've got Ted lady, Tommy Ford, Ryan Cochran, seagull river Adams, Brian McLaughlin, and Nick Krause, Sean, what are you expecting from the U.S. men this weekend? Anything that you're looking forward to?
0: Yeah, so I think the U.S. starting six men in a World Cup GS is pretty awesome to see again. And uh, I don't really think there'll be ones to watch on Sunday. I think in particular, Tommy Ford comes into this season as the eighth ranked GS skier in the world and the top American. Um, he's really found his form last year and was able to come close to the podium a couple of times. He finished fifth in Alta which is notoriously challenging for the, on the men's tour, but uh, he's actually never made a second run in Solden, so he definitely has some demons to shake off, but I think a top 10 is definitely not out of the question for Tommy if he's able to find that competence and really charge On Sunday, And then, obviously, Ted Ligety, Mr. GS, is uh, always someone to watch in Solden. He's won there four times in his career, but uh, he actually enters this season ranked 17th in the world after coming back from a few years of injury. He's focusing solely on GS this season in the World Cup, which I think is actually a really smart move for him. He's getting towards the tail end of his career, so I think a podium might be a little bit of a stretch for him on Sunday. But uh, I think he's also a solid bet for a top 10 if things align well for him. Um, and then moving on to, to Ryan Conkern siegel RCS, uh, who was also able to find some consistency last season and is now ranked inside of the top 30 in the world in giant slalom. So definitely steps in the right direction for him as well. Technically speaking, I think he's one of the strongest skiers, certainly on the U.S. team, if not the entire men's World Cup uh, circuit. So uh, I think he's able, if he's able to find some early season form, don't be surprised if we see uh, RCS make a big jump on Sunday as well. And uh, moving down to River and Brian, both of those guys scored World Cup points last year as well. And I think for them, it'll just be whether they can battle through a later starting number and and find a second run where uh, they can hopefully throw something down and uh, score some more points. Also, uh, if if River does well, I uh, can't wait for his next Instagram edit.
1: Oh, yeah. He's been putting out some fire content, um, content on Instagram recently, hasn't he?
0: Yes. Song Choice has been on point over the summer so uh keep it up river we're looking forward to it
1: oh and Nick Krause as well right
0: yeah with Nick I've been really impressed with how he's managed to, to bounce back and find his way back to the World Cup after a few years of, of really horrific injuries he suffered a really terrible leg break after uh, a few years ago after his World Cup debut and has been dealing with complications regarding that up until really until last summer and uh, his last season was was really impressive he made his way back to the World Cup Um, hasn't been able to score any points just yet but I think he's definitely trending in the right direction right now Um, he's another college boy skis for Dartmouth so uh, we'll see what he can do
1: that would be cool that he gets to ski with Brian too. two Dartmouth guys out there
0: yeah go big green huh actually don't tell any of my UVM friends I said that can amounts for life but uh let's see it from the Dartmouth boys this weekend
1: All right, well, that wraps things up for our sold-in preview. Coming up next, Sean will be interviewing Gar Trainer about coaches' education.
0: The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media it literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on skiracing.com, which includes full-length world cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to skiracing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to Tips and Tales, and I'm sitting down today with Gareth Trainer, who is the Director of Sport Education here at U.S. Ski and Snowboard in Park City. Gar, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thanks for having me, Sean.
0: Awesome. So we're here to talk about coach education, something that uh, I know everyone has gone through some level of certification through U.S. Ski and Snowboard to get their coaching license. But uh, there's been some exciting developments in the last few years. You guys are revamping a lot of your higher-level education and then also uh, a new Coaching Fundamentals course. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so the Coaching Fundamentals course is something that was previously a prerequisite for our Alpine and oil for all of our Level 100 certifications. Um, And what we did was revisited that um, Fast Start course and – we came up with some concepts and best principles of what were, the, what were the need bases and the wants that we wanted our coaches to understand at the most rudimentary level, you know, the foundational blocks of our educational system. Um, so there's a lot, of, um, a lot of theory of learning in there. It's uh, quite in depth, but it's very, very educational and very robust and really critical for all of our coaches to understand the, uh, the why of coaching and the how-to of coaching. So, as I said, that was previously um, Fast Start, and now it's called Coaching Fundamentals. And that was, Coaching Fundamentals was previously a prerequisite for Level 100. So now we've kind of spread that um, onboarding, per se, of new coaches out a little bit so that they're exposed to that Level 100 content a little bit sooner. So, for those new coaches coming into the system, the pathway towards their Level 100 should be a lot more transient and fluid. And what we'll see is far higher levels of competence of coaches coming out of their their level 100 on snow experience. Mm
0: -hmm. And are you requiring? coaches to go back and, and complete this coaching fundamentals course if they've already done proved the fast start previously
2: no so it'll be in a similar similar logic to the coaching fundamentals um if people are certified currently then then they don't go through that course we will layer that course into other pieces in professional development for our coaches so that everyone gets the opportunity to be exposed to that content and everyone can it can be accessible to everyone um but there won't be any any Redoing having to happen, you know, people will stay where they're at and um, we'll be using this course to really uh, allow coaches to identify And connect with the system so that they can continue to develop as coaches so that 100 coaches can start to pursue their 200s and 200 coaches can start to pursue their 300 coach certifications
0: mm-hmm. and I know your predecessor John Casson kind of uh, Got the ball rolling on this a few years ago and you've been in this role for a little over a, a year now yourself how has that effort continued with this new new project
2: yeah so very much the the, the kind of impetus and the in the direction was taken about three and a half four years ago to move to this blended learning component whereby we can we can reach masses of people with online learning and um so the the concept was initiated then and i think we're probably on track in a lot of ways to the the progress that john had identified um But the notion of the blended learning model where we have um, the textbook per se presented ahead of time so that our coaches can come into the field to work with our coach developers and clinic leaders in the field um, with a parity across a group of 10 coaches in the field. And they all have a baseline layer of knowledge. And then that knowledge is reinforced um, and developed upon in in clinic. Um, there's also a portfolio component where it's essentially a workbook that a coach can follow through that experience so it's a real tangible takeaway that they have from from their learning experience and they can take that with them into the field to hopefully um, support them when um, when the skis hit the snow Mm
0: -hmm. and when you guys develop things like this i know obviously there's a lot of consultation with sports psychology sport education professionals that are outside of the ski racing world but how much collaboration is there between you and your team and clubs and coaches around the country about where they feel like the deficiencies are that they see on the ground every day
2: yeah it's it's a really relevant point to make sure that we're steering in the right direction so we have we have multiple kind of touch points we collaborate a lot with um with uh, with Chip Knight and his regional staff, they're they're a big anchor into the field for for our messaging and for our content. Um, but then we also have multiple working groups in terms of the U twelve and under working group, U fourteen and under working group. So we're touching touching base with a lot of these working groups in addition to anecdotal uh, conversation that we have with other other coaches, program directors, and other leaders in the field. Um, endemically within our sport, but we're also working closely with other NGBs. Um, we're part of a lot of groups working under the USOPC that collaborates, you know, 45 to 50 other NGBs where we talk about best practices and principles and learned methods and um, and AHA and oh, oh moments that other NGBs have had. And it's really pleasing for us to be in those discussions um, and realize that um, the direction in which we're going, the content in which we're providing, and the methodology in which we're using to both disseminate the content and to reinforce that learning is really happening, and that our coaches are really picking up what we're throwing down. It's good to be rat- to have that ratified by those groups just to make sure that we're we're on point. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and one step up from this basic coaching fundamentals course is the the level one hundred coaching certification, which in the past I know certainly when I was a coach it was seen as like if you wanna make ski racing or ski coaching a career, then you start getting the level 100, 200, 300, et cetera. But I know that a big push for you is to actually get everyone who has a coaching license a level 100 certification by 2022, I believe. Can you talk a little bit about that and and how that come about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this was, was, it's been an an initiative per se that's been on the table for many years and it, it came strongly onto my docket last December and January, where we again spoke with a lot, of our, a lot of our program directors in the field, a lot of our regional staff, and then again, I spoke a lot with other NGBs, you know, USA hockey being a, being a real driver in this domain of, of required coach certification. And the notion behind that is to really understand what is being delivered on the hill. As a national governing body, steering and advising and supporting in best practices and principles, It's really challenging for us to know what's going on in the field how we can know that our athletes who are making large lifestyle and large monetary investments one of the ways that we can um, hopefully understand how how well they're being coached and to what level they're being coached is to levelize this base level of knowledge once we have that in place we can strike that off the box in terms of analysis we can take that common denominator out and we can say okay what's next what's next in terms of how do we best service our athletes um, so in moving in this direction we we very much come in into into parallel with a lot of other ngbs within the us and uh, and across, around the world as well
0: mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what what the actual content is of a level 100 course is it uh, classroom based is it on hill i know when i took my level 100 it was a day of classroom and a day on the hill and, I, and also level 100 has been revamped since then in the last couple of years so how has level 100 changed and what is the certification process like from a content standpoint
2: yeah so the content has been revised over the last couple of years and it's um it's really a, a, a kind of a nice blend of some classroom time and a lot of on snow time you know, I think the, the apply phase of learning is really critical. So the clinic, the On Snow Clinic, starts with, um, with a debrief of the online modules um, and the content, both in a technical and tactical and um, coaching capacity, ethics and philosophy, venue safety. It touches on that in the classroom, and then the, then the coaches go out in the field with their, with their coach developer, and they will then be, then be in a scenario-based learning environment and role-play-based environment and um, given their opportunity to show what they've retained from that opportunity. That would very much kind of summarizes day two, uh, sorry, pardon me, day one. Uh, day two, we dive into some more on-snow role play, um, group leadership, understanding of drill, uh, drill progression, and drill development, um, checking in on the capacity for coaches to be able to describe a drill, introduce a drill, coach to the correction, um, and sandwiched in the middle there is um, is a good clear and concise demonstration of a drill as well. So we're pushing our coaches to be able to, to be able to not only know the theory of a drill, but also to be able to, where possible, show good demonstrate, demonstrative capacities as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And has level 200, 300, 400, I believe there's a 500, has that been changed at all from the past?
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> the level 300 has been, has been very heavily revamped. We, um, we did this, uh, at the beginning of this year um, we we took a deep dive into what the competencies that we um, expected out of a level 300 coach and um, we built out from there and some real clear concise learning objectives and we built a really nice curriculum um, which we delivered in vermont uh, last january Uh, we then delivered again at the at the national coaches academy in in mammoth Um, and the feedback that we got was was tremendous one of the one of the big uh, game changers that we made theirs is very much, yes, we're going to prioritize um, the technical and tactical knowledge of coaches, but we're also going to heavily look at um, their capacity to coach and the capacity to coach um, really starts to get into the um, mental sport coaching and sports psychology world. Um, so on both of those level 300 experiences, we had uh we had mental performance coaches there along with us as part of the cohort of coach developers running those clinics, and that was seen to be a huge advantage. Um, so that's a lot of the skills that we're trying to coach into our coach developers now so that that can be replicated in level 200 and, and 100. Um, so the 300 content was, 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 was revisited. We're gonna do a lot of work to continue, continually evolve that. Um, based on what we see departmentally, and also what we hear from coaches. Um, and then the level 200 content is in review right now. Um, so the the goal will be, or what will happen is, um, our level 100, 200, and 300 content will be really closely aligned to our system. And our system predicates heavily around three component parts of the Alpine Training System, the Fundamentals Pocket Guide, and the um, and the skills quest assessment. So in terms of the fundamental pocket guide, we have between 35 and 40 rudimentary drills um, and really nice tight descriptions on on why we do those drills and what to to look for when we're performing these drills and how to coach them. Um, And then we'll also have a lot of drill description in there of um, some constraints based environments whereby we can introduce tactical environments to reinforce technical skills. So a level one hundred coach is going to be hit on in their clinic is going to be really involved in the in the fundamental drill, um, individual drills, and then drill progressions thereof, and then the level two hundred will remain very much about tactical environments, um, and that'll be the kind of second component part of the pocket guide, of how people set drill courses and why. What should you expect? You know, if you diagnose a a, a challenge or an opportunity with an athlete, what are some of the drill courses that you can? that you can utilize um, to get skill acquisition through a skill development process. And then the level 300 is almost a synthesis of all of those with um, with some other elements brought in.
0: With requiring, or eventually with the goal of, of requiring a, a a level 100 across the board, logistically that's gotta be a, a huge undertaking for, for you and your team with, I don't know how many thousand coach, how thousands of coaches there are in the United States, but what, challenges do you foresee and then how do you plan on tackling them from getting everyone in the country at that certain level?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we have we have 6,000 6, registered coaches in the U.S. across seven sports. Uh, 3,500 of those are in Alpine, um, of which 53% of those are currently certified at level 100 or more. So in knowing that, we know that based on our current systems and the way that we schedule clinics, we know that we need to um, increase our throughput by twenty-five percent per year. Um, to do that, we are just—we're being far more specific and utilizing more outlets in as to how we how we do calendar clinics, and that means working closely with the regional staff, working with, closely with our regional directors and our and our regional coaches and coordinators, to be really, really specific of where and when we schedule our clinics so that one, we can get high levels of attendance to, to create great learning moments for many coaches, um, but also so that we can be as productive as possible and not have downtime in clinics having low numbers. So we're trying to get as high a number in clinics as possible to get these learning environments. Um, we're also sampling um, some new some new concepts of how we deliver content around uh, project-based, project-based learning. So the, a lot of our regional staff run U14, U12, and U16 projects. So what we're trying to do is dovetail alongside that, so that we get a really, a really specific learning moment with athletes being in the field during a clinic happening, um, and that's um, that's been something that's been met with really, really warm um, feedback, that people are really excited about, and I think between these two or three evolutions of how we of how we schedule, then. Um, we're gonna create enough opportunities for coaches to get across this line. The next part that we need to look at is this, um, is the kind of culture of learning, the culture of leveling up, the culture of being better as coaches, and allowing people, the, the first the realization, and then the tools um, to reinforce them being better as coaches. How do, how do I be better as a coach? I need to do some learning. Um, And providing those opportunities and as culturally evolving so that people really do get into a world where they Engage and enjoy being engaged in professional development Mm.
0: and this seems to to integrate itself very nicely into uh, I know you and I had a lengthy discussion about a a month or two ago about project Apollo Which is the u.s. Olympic and Paralympic committee's big nationwide initiative on coaching best practices across a number of sports which U.S. ski and snowboard is a, a key player in and to me, it almost felt like you guys were a step ahead of the whole, th- the whole thing, just with, um, the way that level 100 has been revamped and things you just talked about at that higher level thing. And even though project Apollo is aimed at the national team level, it seems to fit so perfectly with the lower club level, uh, education you guys have and just have coaches who can more easily move up to the national team and then coaches the national team who eventually retire from their days as a national team coach can go back to clubs and be a seamless integration there
2: yeah i think that's a super astute observation you know in terms of project apollo as a as a unique project with our national team coaches it's an you know an amazing initiative but where we're capitalizing on it is is taking the learnings from there and really infiltrating that into our systems and getting broader and deeper impact into our systematic approach from that experience that we're having with the USOPC. And with that, to, to your point there, you know, us being able to deliver coaches to the national team at a higher level, higher level of understanding, and being closer to the coaching capacities of national team coaches is um is a really really critical part of of, of our system. Um and our systematic approach as they go through the levelized um certification pathway.
1: Mhm.
0: And for coaches who are curious to learn a little bit more about the level 100 requirement, where can they go on uh, the US Ski and Snowboard website and when uh, do these clinics kick off?
2: Um so our first clinics will be kicking off in November um in Colorado and out west, in various different places. I know for sure we have one um, in the 16th, 17th kind of area in, in November in Copper, and multiple other multiple other clinics coming. Um, and they that, that schedule shall be um, released within the next few days and made available to everyone, as will the uh, online courses that will give coaches the opportunity to onboard and um, go through the course content prior to getting to their clinics
0: and for any coach who may think that they don't have the skills to, to be a level 100 coach um, can you explain a little bit about what to expect in these courses and, and why they shouldn't be intimidated to get their level 100
2: yeah absolutely I mean we're very much looking at the level 100 being okay what are the what are the base levels of understanding and skills and competencies that we want to see in our coaches and um, a lot of the feedback that we're getting from our level 100 coaches that are in the process was, do you know what, I was really intimidated going into this, but this has been awesome. I'm, I'm really reveling in the content and I know I'm gonna be a far better coach. I may only coach 30 days of the year or 15 days of the year, but I know I'm gonna be more effective. Um, and together with the, with the on, on snow um, experience and the, and the online learning modules, it's not a massive undertaking of time, it's a commitment for sure, but it will absolutely make you more effective and more productive as a coach. And by default of that, um, your athletes will have a far better experience in environment and their skill development will absolutely benefit from it.
0: Awesome, so last question for you. World Cup opener this weekend, sold in Austria. Who you got? Can, uh, who's gonna step up with Marcel Hirscher gone, and can, can Michaela pick up where she left off last season?
2: Well, let's start with the easy one. I think Michaela can absolutely pick up where she left off. You know, I think it's I think it's undoubted that um, she holds a lot of the cards in the deck, and you know, hopefully, hopefully her training comes together in the next in the next days. And I think she's uh, she's the one to be beat for sure on the ladies' side. On the guys' side, <laughs> it's a tough one. It's tricky. I think. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people react and respond, and how that's how that's going to shuffle the deck heavily, you know. And I think there's great conditions there. I think they're going to have a super level playing field. But you know, do you see much past Christofferson? You know, if he's responded really positively in a proactive way to to Marcel not being there, that's where my uh, that's where my pound note would be.
0: All right. Sounds great. Garth, thank you so much for uh, sitting down and talking. Always great to talk to you. And uh, we'll see you on the slopes this winter, hopefully.
2: Perfect. Thank you, Sean.
0: All righty. See ya. That wraps up this week's Tips and Tales. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all soon.